There's a version, there's a filmed or animated possibly Princess and the Goblin. Yeah, it's crap. <laughs> it's a real piece of shit. But I can't even find like when I look at it, I don't even get like any. It just takes me to the page of the, for the book on Wikipedia. Nineteen ninety-two. Yep, that sounds right. It certainly sounds like the sort of you know VHS animated. Right, film. exactly. Sort of like mediocre Disney knockoff sort of thing that yeah. Aunt So and So sees it. <laughs> the grocery store picks Yeah, like it up. the the animated um uh not Nicholas Nickleby. Uh what's the main one that Oliver Twist? No, the one that was more like this is the author's self self autobiography. Oh, Little Dorrit? No, not Little Dorrit. That wasn't about him. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> really yes. When, when Charles like... Dickens was a young lass. Oh, okay, I don't know, I never uh, Welcome back to another episode of Why Did We Watch This, the podcast where three friends sit down with a drink and a troubled movie and try to figure out what worked, what didn't, how they would fix it. But not this week. It is a mini episode. Uh, but before we get into any of the fun, splashy details, I am Chris Ravel. I'm Lee Delahanty. I am Brendan Drischler. You guys really are. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And so the movie we're going to be doing uh, in two weeks is going to be... Uh, that was... 2003's Sinbad, yeah. Legend of the Seven Seas. Thank you. Starring Brad Pitt, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer, Joseph Fiennes, and a bunch of others. It's, um, I like the comment you made about it a little bit earlier off my friend, and that it's sort of like every DreamWorks movie ever, where it's like animated and tons of celebrities. Whatever celebrities wander by the studio that day, <laughs> will be in our picture. Just stick a mic in their face, hey, can you just like... Can you give us an under five? Um, Doesn't matter how ill-equipped your Missouri accent is for a Middle Eastern tale, it'll still be Sinbad. Oof, cannot wait. Uh, And then could one of you please tell me, what are we drinking? We can take the edge off. No, I don't don't know what the fuck we're drinking. (laughs) One of you. You're the one that fucking came up with that shit. So the drink we were having is called a Discord Fizz. It's going to be three ounces of gin, one ounce of lemonade, two ounces of pomegranate juice, and some seltzer. Mix the gin, lemonade, and pomegranate juice in a glass over ice, and then top it with seltzer. That's it. Simple. That pomegranate story nominally takes place somewhere in the Middle East. That honestly sounds delicious, and I think by the time you record it, it might be even a little warmer out. That's what I'm hoping. I think that'll be a great warm weather drink. I'm not the person to um, really be expressing this worry, but do you think that we maybe are leaning too much into gin? Oh, I, this was a concern we had last season, too. Yeah, but I mean, I, I also, I don't even want to mention it because I, you know. I had looked at other things, it. but gin felt like a safe bet. That's yes. mostly why I went with it. It felt like a safe bet. It felt like this was simple ingredients, things we probably had to an extent also, so. If you really want to stretch it thematically, uh, gin is the way it is so that it can stay ginny on, like, very long uh, ocean voyages when it was first being delivered. Or at least so the urban legend goes. So we're also on a boat in this movie, I'm pretty sure. And <laughs> tenuous uh, connections. Pretty there. sure there's a boat. So uh, my stock and trade. Got some swords there. It looks <laughs> like. Uh... Um. So definitely looking at the fact that the movie we're going to be getting into is a fantasy. This sort of has spawned a little bit of um, kind of a, another installment of a running conversation. I feel like we're having always on some kind of level, but it's like this complaint of. There doesn't ever seem to be enough, uh, like, original, particularly original fantasy, but also, you know, there is... Well, yeah, okay. So, it's... No, there are... Yeah, there definitely, that's one problem. There's not a lot of it. But my main concern was, after seeing a lot of these movies where they, like... The Disney's ones are the most guilty of this. The recent, like... Live-action remakes. Yeah, to sort of, like, spice up these, like, traditional fairy tales. Or, like, expand the mythos of Mm -hmm. them. Uh, they're just so bad at it. Yeah. And it just, the world building is just so confusing and bloated and they're like it, unnecessary layers of, of shit that really can't be like explained in one movie nor necessarily should it. I feel like almost Nutcracker in the Four Realms exemplified for me personally that kind just, of like poor world expansion where it just feels messy and overwhelming and weirdly just like meaningless and stupid. Yeah, just a lot of spaghetti being thrown at a wall. I think Oz for me is really the pinnacle of that more mm-hmm. so because Oz also has like weird CGI goobers mm-hmm. in it, which um, Nutcracker didn't really have, per se. Like, That's it had plenty point. of CGI nonsense, don't get me wrong, but it didn't have, like, you know, water pixies, whatever the fuck That's they true. Yeah. Well, and I guess uh, Four Realms also gave us um, one of the best performances we've ever seen with yeah. uh, 
And Morgan like, Freeman as Drosselmeyer. Absolutely. We're all talking about it. <laughs> and like Maleficent 1 had some of that, but it was also fairly contained. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Maleficent 1 also has pretty straightforward world building. Yeah. You know, like it's not complicated or confusing. But I would also argue that like 1 to some extent, and definitely more so too. Definitely like, more so too. Answers a lot of questions that you didn't ask and doesn't answer questions that I have. Like, what are, <laughs> where are the other nations? Yeah. Right. Like, who are the, pa- like, this is a kingdom, who runs this kingdom? Where are the other kingdoms? Right, Who, like, how big is your kingdom? Like, yeah, <laughs> where are these kingdoms? Right. Uh, and all of this is to say, it kind of got us just wondering, and, I, and this was also, I think, somewhat of a challenge to us, of, like, what are some sci-fi but also fantasy out there that is not based on an existing IP? So we're talking about an original film, not Ideally, based on a book. I think yeah. we can still talk about movies that, like, again, like, because, like, Oz and Maleficent. True. If, if you could present me with a version of that where, like, we took a story and then we... We zhuzzed it up, but we did, but it still makes sense. I would, I would say, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I think actually, kind of going off of Lee, what you were talking about, like questions answered that were never being asked. Yeah. I think a really good like two sides of the coin of that for me is Frozen and Frozen Two, where I think <laughs> Frozen does a very solid job of world building. Right. Yeah. I think Frozen, the first Frozen, really knows like how much you don't need to know and how much you do need to know for the story to work, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, in the beginning, when they go to see the trolls or whatever, and uh, the troll's like, how else to get her powers? Dad's like, she was born with them. That's it. That's it. Who fucking cares? She was born with them. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter where her powers came from. Then in Frozen 2, it's like, but what if it does matter where her powers <laughs> came from? What if the entire fucking point is that Elsa is, like, the fifth element, and she's ice, <laughs> and the mediator between heads and hand must be heart? And it's, it's just like, uh, again, Frozen 2 is just like, as answering so many questions that no one ever asked mm-hmm. the first time around mm-hmm. in an attempt to like broaden their own world building and like you had such fine concise world building in the first one like I admit mm-hmm. like the trolls are kind of an afterthought it's fine like they're not the, the best you know incorporated yeah. but like for the most part it's fine it's simple it's straightforward you get what's going on you get what her deal is you get that no one else is supposedly like this and that's all you need to know for the story mm-hmm well, and uh, this kind of leads us to wonder, like, what ones out there do we like and why? Yeah. Like, what is working with these that we're maybe not seeing elsewhere? Yeah, and, like, I... W- w- beyond fantasy into sci-fi, I think that you can see this uh, at play in sci-fi. You see Jupiter Ascending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As just, like, well, what the fuck is happening in this world? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that I, I wanted to try to focus on fantasy because I, I, could e- I feel like I could easily cite you some sci-fi original movies. I feel like they, people make original sci-fi movies a lot. Mm-hmm. More than they do fantasy, yeah. anyway. And I feel like people, for the most part, uh, can do that pretty well. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard, it seems, for people to, like, produce, you know, well-done original sci-fi. Like, uh, I'm just, actually, I've never seen Ex Machina, but that's original, right? Yeah, say again. Ex Machina. Yeah, Yeah, that's a really good original. You know, it's not hard to do. Right. Ex Machina also is, it's like, it's just barely nudging our actual world, you know? Like, it's sci-fi, but it's... Yeah, I think that's the case with a lot of sci-fi. That maybe is connected to why it's maybe easy... Maybe it's I don't know if it is inherently easier if people like the there's concept, no barriers I, for there. The there. concept is, has less barriers if you're like it's like the real world. Yeah, exactly. Like we are making very human. Yeah, yeah I, I guess, robots. but it's not like we don't do a lot of like original high concept sci-fi that mm-hmm. has that too and works as well. Like yeah. I was thinking like Looper was the one that kind of came to mind, Same. where it's yeah. like you know it's it's not our world, but you understand what the rules of this world are, and at no point as opposed to something like Primer, are you watching Looper like confused as <laughs> to what the fuck's actually going on here? Yeah, that's that is actually I think an interesting comparison too, because Primer does make it difficult to understand that film, whereas Looper, whatever criticisms you might have about it, it is easy to get just by immersing yourself in that world as it goes to yeah. understand what's happening and why. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do. I, I, I struggled actually to try to find movies that fit the criteria, at least for me. Mm-hmm. But I have a sort of number one example with a bullet that I think yes. is, is maybe the Golden Calf. Yeah, the number golden one on calf. the call sheet. Number one on the call Not the Golden Calf. Way above the line. Or the, the Golden Ticket. I don't know. Something, it's good. It's, it's, it's work. Top example. Although God's going to be really pissed if you worship that Golden Calf over here. Yeah. Well. yeah. Uh, uh, Labyrinth. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. It's great. It's such a such a concise like, and I like if I want to peel apart like why I think it works. I think that like the you have this co- like it's very easy. To, we every like culture and like every uh, we're all very vulgar first in this idea that there's like a fairy realm. Mm-hmm. Like so, it has it just sort of takes that concept that like we're already pretty familiar with, and it has been done a bajillion times in a bajillion different ways. And it says like okay, well there's a fairy realm, 
and it's ruled over by this dude is a goblin king and they just like come up with a bunch of cool shit that's in that realm and you don't really need to know how all of it works right. um there's you know the talking silkworm dude yeah, there's yeah. a talking silkworm the, the sort hands. of chevalier yeah. fox is he a fox he's, he's a, dog a dog riding a larger dog he's a dog riding a larger dog a fox is he he looks like a fox, fox but yeah. he might be a it's dog. Didimus, right yeah, yeah. And there are those. I fucking love those. Um, those women that like carry. Sh- yeah. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, with all they're yeah. like memories and yeah, yeah, yeah. childish trinkets yeah. and whatnot. Sort of haggish woman. That I mean, like, I would also argue that memories. like maybe one of the reasons why Labyrinth works really well in that respect is because there's no really there's not like rules to the world per se, right? The, mm-hmm. the rules for the movie are relatively straightforward. Where it's just get to the center of this thing, get your baby brother back, or else he'll be a goblin. Yeah. But you don't need to know anything about the world per se, right? It's not like you have to know like oh this faction hates this faction. Right. Yeah. And, like, exactly. And all this other shit. Right, so like anything that you get from Labyrinth is because like the visuals are interesting and the music is fun, something yeah. like that. I and like also, the, like there are like you definitely meet a lot of different denizens, right? Like you meet mm-hmm. the and and they they seem to have like varying degrees of like loyalty or regard for like the apparent sovereign of their realm. Yeah. But, like you don't really get bogged down in it. You just like well, it must be like a normal kingdom where like right. some people care about the yeah, king. Yeah, some right. people don't for him, and some people are just like. I just live here, man. Right, like exactly. that fucking <laughs> I just worm. Want to do my job. Right. You know, it's just my house. Or the the door knockers. One always lies. One always tells the truth. Yeah. Um, I also think it's it's very smart in that you don't get bogged down in that, but it also has this added thing of leaving what should be a mysterious world still mysterious. Yeah. So yes, you might have some familiarity with it. You've like you've understood what's happened, mm-hmm. but. I'm actually so glad about all the information we don't have about this world because I think the point is supposed to be, like, you're just seeing one sliver of this, like, insane dimension. Well, I I think, like, too, like, I, I... I agree that, like, yeah, there's some, there's to some extent, like, leaving some questions in it or, like, keeping it mystery, but say say that, like, somebody wanted to remake Labyrinth or do, like, a sequel 20 years later or, like, a TV show. (laughs) No, I'm saying... I'm saying you could... And you could show more of that world, mm-hmm. and you could just keep showing, like, you know, weird shit that's in there. Mm-hmm. You'd probably run out at some point of, like, things. But, like, I think that you could answer some of those questions, and you could uh, add more denizens and more weird shit. Yeah. As long as you don't, like... Again, I, I'm trying to define where that line would be of, like... I know. Too much information. Where it would be too much. But I, I think if you did have, like... I don't know. Like you start getting into the other fairy realms and like the right. politics that it's just a matter of like, I guess like as you unveil more stuff, you raise more questions. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think answer. what labyrinth also might have going for it, maybe in that respect is that one, you have a point of view character who is not of that world, yeah, which is helpful for you as an audience. And two, it kind of sort of, not maybe, but kind of is, but isn't, uh, operates under dream logic. Mm-hmm. Because, like, uh-huh. is it, like, the whole thing is, like, is it a dream? Is yeah, it, like, yeah. is it real? Blah, blah, whatever. So, like, because you have that vague veneer of dream logic happening in that movie, you'll accept pretty much whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Just so, like, you don't have to, like, explain why these things are happening. It's just sort of, like, well, this is, like, symbolic of what she's going through right now. And, like, you know, there are references to, like, the crap in her room mm-hmm. in this place. Yeah. And so it's sort of, like, you know, it's, like... That kind of Alice in Wonderlandy sort of thing too has got going on. So like, I think Labyrinth in many ways has it lucky yeah. in that respect. Oh, yeah. it, it's, those are the sort of things that uh, really help it work. Yeah, I don't think like I think a sequel where like you know someone else goes back or she goes back as an adult or like an, a, a remake where another person gets sucked into that world for other reasons and it's the same world uh, would not would work much better than like. A reboot of Labyrinth starring Jareth, the Goblin King. Right, exactly. right? Like, that would, that would, you'd be instantly mired in a lot of trouble. Yeah, because, I mean, like, like that's, like, the, I, I think that goes also back to our sort of sidekick discussion, right? Where it's like, yeah. I don't want to follow around the Goblin yeah, King. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't need to know what the well, Goblin King thinks. because then the Goblin King becomes, like, Jack Sparrow. It's like, this was a thing that yeah. worked in moderation, but when you're the whole show, it's not... But well, and also then you realize that it's about, like, this, what, like, 40-year-old man romancing a 16-year-old. Right, oh, in, God. like, skin-tight jodhpurs. But even, like... Even, like, I don't know, the quest of Sir Didymus, like, mm-hmm. it would be a very weirder starting point. Yeah. yeah. So sort of, like, then you have to, because then not only do you have to define what is this world, you have to define how much does Sir Didymus know about this world? Right. What does he know? And, like, how are you going to explain all that shit? Right. And, like, what, why do we, like, how do we root ourselves in this anymore? Yeah. So, yeah, there's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's hard to, like, it's just so, I think it's so weirdly unusual to see, uh a movie do that so well. Although mm-hmm. I guess like that was the time because 
The thing is, I haven't seen a lot of them, but I could tell you about a lot of these other sort of like 80s Never ending story. They were pumping them out. Yeah. That was a book, but like, you know that The Last Unicorn? I have not seen. Not The Last Unicorn. That's the animated one. The one with Tom Tom Cruise. Legend. Legend, yeah. yeah. That was one. That was the sort of era of like, I haven't seen it. It might be good. Maybe fine. I mean, Excalibur was part of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we were just very big on yeah. fantasy for. But a Excalibur is also just like again based off of something, of course. Yeah. But like, we we were just like fantasy nuts, so yeah. for a while in the 80s. I think also since you brought up Labyrinth, uh, it's probably worth talking briefly about the Dark Crystal, yeah, which yeah. I think is an example of very interesting world building that kind of falls flat from a story perspective mm-hmm. more so than yeah. Anything I else. I didn't want to bring it up because I haven't seen it in a long time, but I don't really want to rewatch it. I that's remember fair. a lot of the world. I don't remember what happened. Right. I mean, I think that's that's like what it is, right? Like you watch it, and you're like, oh, I remember like this creature and that thing, yeah. and like the time when they did the this thing, the Skeksis. but like no, the Skeksis, right? But you're like, I couldn't really tell you like the the details of this. Right? I tell you like in strokes what's happening but I couldn't yeah. be like and then this happened I, and then just, this I, I guess I, I tell you what I just I'm always hung up on the notion of there being like the last two of the species and, yeah. the, and I just can't, I can't remember why I get so hung up on like they're gonna have to fuck like how, do you how not awkward is that it's your duty um was it like the setting was just a, a lot more interesting than the plot in that setting? Yeah, I mean, it's like a very simple, straightforward plot, and those things aren't inherently bad. I mean, how many movies, you know, that you like have a very straightforward right. sort of plot like yeah. that? But it's, it's just, I, I don't know precisely what it is about The Dark Crystal that doesn't quite fly from a story point of view. <sighs> Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I need to see it again, I think, to fully make up my mind. But I, I like yeah. the world that it creates is so much more memorable than anything that actually happens in the movie. I sometimes think about how like uh, some of the when a plot is really uninteresting and a really interesting world like that. I sometimes wonder if what I'm responding to is that like the setting is so original, but then the plot is so falling back on something way too like familiar and expected, and it's like I'm keyed up for a much more original or unexpected story to mm-hmm. go with this really deeply original setting. Yeah. It's I also have... kind of the Valerian problem. I have... How's that? The Valerian problem. The Valerian. Of having, like a really yeah. interesting world yes. and like the dumbest two characters. <laughs> Just knocking around well, in it. It could have been so much better. Yeah. Um, off of your... Yeah, you chose Labyrinth. The One of the, the movies I had thought of was Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, um, okay. Huh? The sequel? Yes, exactly. <laughs> the sequel to Labyrinth. Oh, I meant to tell you, there is a sequel to Labyrinth, but it's not a oh, yeah, film. The manga. The, yeah. the manga, yeah. I read the manga. Oh, it's, yeah. About his, it's about it's Toby. her brother. Yeah, yeah he goes back or something. Yeah. Which is a fairly interesting hook for a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Does he, like, is he meant to become the Goblin King? I think so. I forget. I've read it. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know if I finished it, um, because she's there, too, still. Yeah, so yeah. Really <laughs> Huh? I said Weird. She's not there there. She's, um, like, a character. In the story. I see, Because yeah. I think that Jareth is, like, trying to get her back It's in a certain way. Um, because, he like, the, I think that part of the plot is that, like, Jareth is, like, kind of, like, losing his touch a little bit, or at least he's perceived to be losing his touch by, like, other courts, kings, and or something, and, like, uh, part of it may or may not be his obsession with getting Sarah. And, like, Toby is, is part of Toby being there is, like, oh, could he, like, give Jareth a run for his money? I forget, man. It's been a while. But it was it was... I remember it was interesting, and I think I was getting it from the library or something. Yeah. Um, so I don't know why, if I just don't didn't, I ran out of things to read at the library, or if it, if it had not ended or something. Right. So I, I couldn't tell you how it ended. Or they just didn't have the next one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so for... But I don't think it's like, I don't know who writes it, but I don't think it's the same people. I think it's like a Japanese... Oh, I'm sure it's like a... It's like a legit manga that is is someone just made. Um, kind of squeaker. I don't know. Pan's Labyrinth, I really appreciated as an original fantasy. I guess the thing I appreciated about it was, despite it sort of being... Like, it starts as a historical drama, and then pretty quickly just starts laying in all of the fantastical aspects. And I guess I just appreciated that for being a movie that is like, it's like your world, but with this other thing, that other thing ends up being so weird and elaborate and strange and really beautiful to look at. Yeah. I love that uh, so many parts of the movie just feel like an old fairy tale without it feeling cloying or cliche. Oh, that creepy bit where she cuts the guy's mouth. Yes. (laughs) The mouth cutting, I also thought the... um, I, and him, like, stitching it up is really hard to watch, yeah. too. I also was really freaked out um, when she puts the mandrake under the bed that ends up coming alive and is, like, crying and bleeding. I was like, ah! That- I don't remember a lot of it, but I remember um, 
I mean, it's pretty, again, it's like sort of, yes, you can interpret it, but it's it's pretty like, ah, uh, she's dealing, she's coming up with this as a fantasy to escape her. I guess. I think, though, that to, to some extent, they put enough in there that I feel like the movie's probably okay with you maybe believing that this yeah. fantastical stuff was really I happening think what to gets some extent. It for me is that at the end, it seems like it's just a way for her, because she's basically is dead. It's she's dead, yes. Yeah. And it's sort of like, oh, don't worry, you're not dead, you're going to the fairy realm to live as the princess now. Right. It's like, well, is she, though? Yeah. Well, and that's the, the little match girl style ending. Yeah. And it's, it is almost, it's sort of almost, by that moment, it becomes this almost like Catholic fantasy because she sees her parents it styled very much like the king and queen of heaven, which yeah. is a... Well, what happened to dad? Uh, dad was dead. Yeah, well, the whole point is that, like, the mom has to shack up with this general because... Uh, that's otherwise, it. that's it for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she has like one of her like mom sort of checks out because the general sort of takes over her life. Yeah, the girl has kind of one steadfast ally, and it's the housekeeper who's a resistance. Member, yes, right? yeah, and um, they sort of storm the place at the end, don't they? Yes, yeah, and I would say that even if the ending. For what it is, and I mean, I guess despite the fact a child has died, is sort of a very sweet bow-like ending because, like, look, you're going to go be up with your parents and all of that. But I felt like a the journey together was earned, and b it just felt like a very original take. Yeah, on I liked the giant scene that was really fun. Yes, where she has to get the thing from the giant. He's got the hand eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's supposed to be kind of representative of the Holocaust because children's shoes are like littering that room all yeah. around and or something like that and yeah there was also like a mud frog that she has to kill mm-hmm. but I, I guess I appreciated that while you can draw very clear connections between these fantastical happenings to real world struggles she's having like the mandrake is the new baby brother coming yeah um the giant I guess you can interpret the giant in a few different ways but like they all have some kind of connection to what's going on and I just, I appreciate a movie that is both has a lot of heart, is willing to be that strange, and is truly giving me an original take on an old idea. Well, I mean, you want a strange movie, that's who you go to. <laughs> it's true. I have a legit question. Yeah. Um, is there, beyond, like, Guillermo del Toro's weird aesthetics, mm-hmm. is there, like, a point to uh, the sort of pan character being sort of sinister looking? Because he's, he's, like, not... Like not like duffel looking, but he doesn't look nice. No, he doesn't. He almost looks alien. And it, and yet he doesn't seem in his any motives at any point in the movie to like. They don't seem to really be telling you with the narrative that he's someone not to be trusted. Right? Do they? Are, are you? I don't think to so. Be I, I think them? satyrs just might be inherently creepy. You yeah, know? I think there is just something inherently. I mean, not all satyrs. Like hashtag all satyrs. I, I get it. I think the I think the idea was we're doing fantasy, but everything fantastical is going to look. Threatening and dark. Yeah. And I actually kind of appreciated that too because I find I I found that it was dark without being like edgelordy or like you know what I mean? Yeah. So like I felt like I was seeing all it's like it's a dark fantasy, but I I don't know. I appreciated that it wasn't going in an No, I I mean I like I remember liking the movie a lot. I remember I do remember like wondering if Pan was getting her to do all this stuff and then it was gonna be like some sort of throw back the curtain he's like haha right, you've unleashed the, the dark beast or I thought something. that too uh, but no he's just a nice guy trying to help this girl the whole time yeah and I guess it's also meant to show that like there's this indifferent strange and straight up frightening world happening around you yeah. that even your allies are going to look kind of upsetting yeah. um, that's a good example yeah Brenda what was what was one for you? I mean, you know, you got a couple of options. I mean, there's, like, something, like, I don't know, Spirited Away was one I sort of had thought of. I also yeah. thought of that one. I love thing, that I tried to resist going to anime, as I said off, off before the episode. No, that's fair. I feel like anime is just batshit insane. No, it, it is. It's, but some of it is is done well. You're right. Yeah. Like that movie. I, I think Spirited Away, Spirit Away sort of, like, hits all the right notes for a discussion like this, yeah. I think, in terms of... Uh, the world establishes like how it relates to our own world. If you're going to do something like that as a fantasy story, yeah, um, you know, it, there's there's consistency and there's logic to it. You know, like mm-hmm. like not logic, but there are rules to it. Yeah. Um, you got something on the other hand. Like I had also thought about Edward Scissorhands for a while, mm-hmm. where it's not per se high fantasy, but it is. You know, it is this sort of stylized, idealized version of suburbia. And this, you know, man who was made by an old guy who lives mm-hmm. in a creepy house on a hill, and that guy has scissors for hands, and he was, you know, entirely 
made up by this guy. Like it's like like a you know like a Frankenstein's monster sort of scenario. So while it's not perhaps like the most overt fantasy in terms of creating this own unique world that doesn't really you know on on first glance directly relate to mm-hmm. our own world. Um, you know there are certainly elements of that because it is so stylized. Right. I think it 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 does sort of you know. Bear mentioning in a t- yeah. discussion topic like this. Um, weirdly, the one that I kind of hit upon, and I don't even know if you call it a fantasy, but um, in, in terms of, I was trying to think of like more recent movies, and the one I thought of that like kind of bizarrely does a good job of setting up its own uh, unique world with with like its own set of rules for that specific movie is Detective Pikachu. Which I wow, think I was um, not expecting this yeah, to go in there. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying so like I know obviously we had talked about like not being based on intellectual property right. just, and that well, is yeah. obviously it's based off of the video game. Yeah, but I, but here's the thing, like if you're adapting like uh like Howl's Moving Castle, the movie, mm-hmm. like if you're not if you're just adapting the book and you're not adding anything to it, then I feel like your job is done for you. Right. Like if you don't fuck it up then, then you're all set. Yeah, you don't have to come up with any world building, right. you just have to like find a way to tell that sort of right. medium. But like if you're doing Maleficent two and you're saying like what happens after this already twisted narrative, and then you've got to like think of all this new shit that could happen. That's right. that's we're, that's valid to talk about. So I think yeah. Detective Pikachu is valid because it's not like no story. You're not adapting a story in Pokemon, you're right? Not. Exactly, and it's not like you're trying to like even make a Pokemon movie that kind of follows the idea of the original games right. so much. Yeah. Like you're doing a story that takes place in this universe, and I think it's Rich saw it with me whenever we saw it in theaters, and he like knows nothing about Pokemon, but he enjoyed it and he like understood what was happening. That's good because like you know everything is again laid out for you like you get who Mewtwo is in this movie and if you don't know who Mewtwo is from mm-hmm. any other thing yeah, did, I'm curious what was Rich's like take I don't know I haven't seen this movie still but um, the question is what, did, what how was Mewtwo introduced and is it does it, <laughs> does his place in the universe is it actually carried across concisely? It, uh, they, they don't come up. They don't discuss a whole lot as to like what Mewtwo thinks his place is in this yeah. world. Well, like not what he thinks, but like do they explain that he's like a genetically yeah. created yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. by a that's boss? actually a central plot element. Yeah. Okay. Mewtwo is a lot more chill in this movie mm-hmm. than he is in say Pokemon the movie. Yeah, well, this um, is, I th- I'm sure canonically after that movie. If, yeah. if there is a canon. That is true. Well, yeah, I think that then we're all just, you know, we're splitting hairs. Yeah. There, there is an element to Detective Pikachu that I think is something you would really enjoy because it's something you've talked about being in a Pokemon movie before. Oh, do you mean the... Ditto? Wait, the Ditto secret agent is in there? Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. And it's actually it's a, like, really, it's a really fun somebody reveal. Somebody stole yeah. my fanfic idea I know. from 2005. She's, and uh, she's like the bodyguard. Yeah, right? she's like, she's like the Bill Nighy's son's like sidekick, and she's like this silent woman who wears sunglasses all the yeah. time, so you can't see like her little dot eyes. It's revealed at the <laughs> end that she's a ditto. That's the whole point. I know, of I know. It's weird how like... It's, it's a part of the reveal. It's though, just cause... the weird shit ditto that I know, it's weird how that became like all dittos now actually can't do the face, which is like, that's not entirely true. I will give the movie this it was freaky to see the dot eyes just so then, on a but she, So she's not like a smart ditto. She's just like a... a um, I mean, she's completely... She's like capable. Yeah, but, but she's like, not like a... She can't speak. No, 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 no. She doesn't talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't want to spoil that entirely for you, but I mean, that is... Uh, that is I think uh, it was either going to be that or like the sort of like... Narco Growlithe units. Right, yeah, we're not quite there yet. Maybe Detective Pikachu too. Yeah, I I liked Ryan Reynolds voicing Pikachu. Well, in in I thought the kid playing the main character was like "Mm." in one of the um, animated specials that was part of the sort of like weirder takes on the Pokemon universe. I forget what it was called, but it was like a bunch of animated shorts that were like shit you don't usually see in Pokemon. Yeah. And one of them was, two of them were about Looker, the Pokemon, like, <laughs> Interpol agent or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, Amazing. And, uh, and one of them, they were, like, infiltrating Giovanni's base, and they had, like, Magnemites, like, hacking the door. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Growliths were, like, burning holes through the walls Amazing. to get through. It was really fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, was, I fucking, those cartoons were wacky as hell. I loved them. Anyway, Detective no, it's Pikachu. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, it's another Pikachu. example. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it does a solid job, and like I said, Rich got it. You know, he yeah. made, made enough sense to him. And honestly, that is a true test of it. If someone could come from outside of like that entirely and get it, 
Because I feel like that would be a complicated idea to carry off in a concise way that makes sense to a totally uninitiated I mean, look, look at how much, like, fucking yeah. lore there is for Pokemon. I know. There's so much lore. There's, like, 850 of them. It's just, like, <laughs> how do you possibly, like, make all this into a movie that someone can see and still get what's happening? And the answer is, I don't know, you just don't do it. Right. The thing is, right? Like, we don't you just raise past it. We joke about... There's it, there's a lot of Pokemon, right? But like, compare the number of Pokemon in mm-hmm. the Pokemon universe to the number of animal species there are. Yeah, but I don't care about all that. You know? <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying, like, wow. maybe maybe there are countless other species that are just they're not like they're just not valid as Pokemon. Yeah, places. I mean, look, if we lost like 500 species of bug at some point in the next year, <laughs> I'd be okay with it. Um, but you know, like it's. It, it's at a certain point the number of them doesn't matter because you've got like you know like four horses and like exactly, seven exactly, dogs right, right. and they're all they can be classified as like and forty they, different things. Some of them are dragons, some yeah. of them are aliens. You got like yeah, dragon Pokemon, yeah. and you've got like yeah. flower based ones, right? And, like, and you've got ones. like twenty different dog types, and they're all different elemental types. So it's like not yeah. just like there's a fire dog, there's an electric dog. <laughs> yeah, and there's, and then there's just a, a endless host of normal basic bitches. And I was there's an endless host of like tiny electric rodents <laughs> yes capitalize on that Pikachu energy they just remix it over and over and over <laughs> Mori Piku was actually or whatever that one was called in the most recent in Sword and Shield Mori Piku what was that one's name or it was like Mimikyu it was like the it was the Pikachu that or it was basically a Pikachu that would go between a like yellow and brown sweet looking uh, one and then an angry purple and black one I forget what that one was called and like the the little girl one who was the younger sister of the Goth City Gym. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she was. She had one. Yeah. yeah. Emolga, best boy. <laughs> Emolga is the best of re- electric rodent. Okay, I will hear. What about I'm fucking. I don't like dead end because. You don't like him dancing? I do like him dancing, but. Emolga's cuter because he's a flying squirrel. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. I only like dead end because of the don't drop that dead end. Don't drop that. Da, da, da. Da, da, da. His little Don't butt shake. I like that. The, um, I think his name is like Drompa or something. I, he was in a low. Oh, like the weird dragon? Yeah, but I yeah. love that he looks like the luck dragon from uh, Neverending yeah. Story. Falcor. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to think of other. I really am coming up short. I guess. If we're talking about Frozen, I mean, Tangled was an example. I, mean, I was thinking about honestly saying that too, because I mean, yeah. like, while, while these are nominally based off of fairy tales, there's a lot of legwork you have to do to, like, mm-hmm. expand that yeah. to 90 minutes plus. Tangled is, like, a lot a good job of saying, like, why did this girl get kidnapped? Right, and, like, why did why does she have long hair? It's like, yeah. I think that, like, why, why, does why isn't so this old bitch just buy a ladder yeah. and keep her hair short? And, and it, was, it came up with, like, reasons for these that were, like, at once, like... And almost anime level bonkers are like, oh, because her hair, hair yeah, gives her so, healing so powers. So she's got magic hair now? Yeah. Like, but, like, also kind of works. Right. And then, like, when you actually, like, I remember, like, hearing about it, like, the answer being like, oh, well, Rapunzel has magic hair and she can't cut it or it won't be magic. But I just remember, like, reading that all and being like, what the yeah, fuck is this shit? Yeah, it sounded nuts on paper. Yeah. And then you see in the movie, it's like, oh, okay. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. I like when that happens. As a sidebar, like, I uh, watched a K-drama purely because it was called Mystic Pop-Up Bar. And I was like, what the fuck is happening here? Uh, and because I just sound like a stupid ass concept of like, there's a bar where this lady gives you drinks and solves your grudges or whatever. But it was really good. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes bonkers concepts, you know, don't, don't say no to them offhand. Don't say no to them offhand. I mean, like Brandon was saying, you don't have to say no to the simple ones either. You just have to do it in an interesting way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the inherent problem you have with doing these simple ones. Because if you don't do them well, you're just stuck there with, like, a really basic bitch, Joseph Campbell. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> rise to action. Refusal of the call. Right, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you sit there and you're like, okay, I fucking know what's happening. We're going through the motions. I get it. Yeah. I guess... Yeah, I think I'm finding that a work can win a lot of brownie points with me if they find a way to signal they're deviating from that in some kind of significant way. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited by the idea of fantasy that is non-traditional, and I, I wonder sometimes if that's why we just don't see a lot of fantasy made this way, because the way that it was, or what was being made and consumed was so of, like, one or two kinds, it sort of feels like. Yeah. Um, that... I feel like we're like, well, that's just what fantasy is, and you don't go outside of that, and that's so fucking boring to think about it that way. Um, yeah, I feel like if, if if a fantasy property can show me how they're doing something different or going outside the normal, I'm usually going to give it a try. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to, like, say that I'm a fan of this movie, but, I mean, there's a, sort of that infamous movie from 1983 called Crawl. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I watched that and, like, one. It's not... It's ridiculous. I, I'm not going to say and tell you it's a great movie, but, like, it's not really that bad. And no, it's, it's weird not. and fun and, like... It's just kind of old and... It's, like, yeah, it's old and cheesy and campy and a bit too long for its own good, but, it like... It looks amazing. But, like, the the concept of it being, like, uh... Like, it's... And they don't even really tell you this at all at any point in the movie... That it's like another planet. Yeah, yeah. That it's like way in the future. And there's space races involved. Humans are on other planets now, and like, but they've forgotten that they were from other planets. Mm -hmm. And like, there's they live in castles again, and it's sort of stone agey, and there is a bit of magic maybe, but like mostly an alien ship comes down in the form of a castle, and like kidnaps people. Yeah. And so like the the sort of like castle they have to storm is actually like an alien spaceship. Yeah. And they they have this like artifact that they have to uncover that's actually like ancient alien technology. Is the that the, the glaive? The glaive that isn't a glaive, because it's a star shape. Oh my god, the glaive that also, like... <laughs> I feel like if you held that, you would take your own hand off, but it's like a weird... It's like five long blade yeah, arms in but I star. think you have the ability to control it or something. It's just sort of psychic, like, I forget how it works. But there is, like, a guy that, like, transforms into animals and shit, so there is, yeah, is magic, too. Yeah, I, I love, love, love that scene with that, like, crystal spider on its giant web. Yeah. I loved that. Looks so good. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm, I'm all for doing weird shit like that. And I, I think that... I haven't seen it in a while, but I feel like a lot of the stuff in Crawl, you're not left with a lot of confusion about, mm -hmm. like, how does this... What's going on in this world? Like, you're pretty, like, okay, I get what's happening here. Whereas, like, in Jupiter Ascending, I just have so many questions about the... Where do the police rank in the bureaucracy right. of this world versus yeah. everyone else? Who's like, the Aegis? What are they doing? the Aegis? What are they... Yeah, who... Can they arrest the Eddie Redmayne or is that not yeah. cool? Yeah. What, what, what where do the Redmayne stand in all these worlds? Where do the Redmayne Privileged stand? or like... What are they called? Oh, the Entitled. Entitled, yeah. Like, the they, 1%. Are they... Are they <laughs> Political leaders? Are they just like right? Are they just rich people? What's going on? Knows. Right. So unclear. That is, I think, on the other end, like not knowing how much you need to tell in order for the story to make exactly. plausible sense. Yeah, and maybe to some degree, like you just you make a complicated world, and then you just keep thinking, oh, but wouldn't it be cool if? Wouldn't it be cool if? Wouldn't it be cool if? And then when yeah. you're actually making this movie, you have no sense of scope for what should be thrown out. You just want all the cool shit to be in there. So that's why we have like Brazil Planet and like. A weird Greco vacation planet. Yeah. So I don't know. Is there any like if we had to come up with a couple like cardinal sins? Ooh. Do you think we could? Do we know enough now? Of yeah. like of like what, what exactly where you go wrong? So like, would one cardinal sin be like resist putting in every other idea you have <laughs> yes. into the world? Like, sure, yeah. Like sure. sort of like throwing the CGI creatures. Yes. Right. Like like, like like nuance. Yeah. That Coco Chanel thing about like before you go out take off to say one that. accessory. Yes. Yeah. yeah like like before, before you really shoot theaters yeah. remove one CGI yes. goblin. Or like what writer like what uh, most writing teachers will tell you where it's like it, you, you have three adjectives in that sentence choose one. Right. Right. Like, right. right. I, I love that Coco Chanel uh, quote, by the way, because I feel like it can be applied to so many situations. Very versatile, much yeah. like Coco herself. <laughs> um, I think part of it might also be kind of going back to that sort of, like we were talking about, the very simple sort of uh, Joseph Campbell story structure, mm -hmm. is the fact that Joseph Campbell is descriptive and not, like, proscriptive. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not a guide to teach you how to write stories. Mm -hmm. It was a guy saying, like, isn't it interesting that so many of our myths follow this idea? Mm -hmm. And then, like, Star Wars did it, and everyone was like, okay, this is what we gotta do. <laughs> we gotta fucking follow this, like, to the T from every, like, sci-fi fantasy and we make from now on. We've stopped doing it now, but I remember when I was in school, they would teach the monomyth as this is just how... This is how stories are told in the yeah. Western tradition. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's, it's fascinating to study, but it's not, like, you should not read that and be like, no. this is how you write a story. Like, right. that, like that, that's just, that's not what it is. No, and it's also, I think it's, it's going to sap whatever originality, whatever flavor you were going to put in it. It's already in, it's already following a template that we've literally been shown a million times. So maybe yeah. that is a cardinal sin. If you're getting too close... <laughs> the Joseph Campbell yeah. um, uh, myth. Take a detour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Consider I don't think there's anything... A little bit. I will say, I don't think there's anything wrong with, like, following that, per se. Like, I think that it's, you know... I just think that you're, you're, you're running a risk of, like, not working from the get-go. Like, I think that you can certainly follow that. Yeah. And if you have an interesting enough... Ooh, 
if you have like an interesting enough world that you're creating around it, it doesn't really matter that your story right. is simple. And if like if your actors are all solid mm-hmm. and the direction is fine and the dialogue is fine, people will buy into it and it'll be great anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just like you have to have so much adding up to make that work that like it's probably working against you from the get go. I also you think probably just reach out elsewhere. I also think there's something to be said of like. Is 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 that cycle going to fit the story you want to tell? And I fear sometimes that maybe what happens is people take the story they want to tell and then bend it into the Joseph Campbell shape, which I, I, I don't think that's, that's not a good thing. I mean, I feel like a lot of these, the ones that don't work as well, are more just people had an idea for an interesting place, mm-hmm. world, and then didn't really have a story to support it, right. you know? Yeah. Which, you know, it's the Dark Crystal issue, it's the Valerian issue, yes. where it's like, you have this fantastic place, but like, what's actually going on here? Are you, fo- like, are you following the least interesting characters around <laughs> in this movie? If so, maybe you're doing it wrong. So, yeah, maybe that's another cardinal sin of, like, your plot should not matter less than your amazing setting. Content dictates form. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, I, what I would say about that is, like, I feel like the monomyth, I, I have no, like, bones against it, I, but I feel like it's not something you're supposed to treat like a, as a writer, that you're supposed to treat like a blueprint. It's right. supposed to, it's more like a critic's tool and yeah. an analyzer's tool of like looking at stories than it is a way of like making stories. Right. So I would say that you're wrong if you're feeling like you need to actively follow that because I think you'll find that you'll probably be following it without trying. Right. Like for the most part. Because we've internalized that through all of the media. That yeah. I mean, again, that. there's like only so many ways to tell Right. And I, but I, I think also a lot of times you might be telling it, but you're not telling it as strictly as some might, you know? Like, yeah. there are some people who might adhere to it very, very closely when they're writing something, and other people, it's more sort of a general kind of, this is in the back of your mind as you're writing your story, and it's going to influence it some, but you're not going to sit there, break it down beat by beat, and try and follow this outline that Joseph Campbell came up with. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's another cardinal sin in there about the uh, the unanswered. There's like the unanswered questions and answering questions thing. I don't know how to how to solidify that into like a, a pithy. I, I think it's just that like people sin. need less information than you think they do. Yeah. yeah, you know, like if you look at something like I didn't really bring it up because it doesn't really apply to this necessarily, but something like Fury Road, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like you don't really need to know what everyone's mm-hmm. deal is. You can look at them and you have an idea in your head and that's fine. That's yeah. all that matters. You know, the Clone Wars in Star Wars is the thing I always come back to where it's like where Princess Leia says like, General Kenobi, years ago, you served my father in the Clone Wars. She doesn't like pause and be like, you remember the Clone Wars? <laughs> where like, there was that army of clones that the yeah. Jedi found, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's like, you just say it and you move on. Mm-hmm. And so the audience sits there and they think, one, like, wow, what's the Clone Wars? That sounds really cool. And two, like, hey, this is a universe where shit has happened. Right, shit has yeah. gone down. Like, there is a history. history. Right, exactly. And so it's yeah. like, I, I think it's fair to include those things as world building. Just be very careful about not using too much of them, right. you know? Yeah, I do feel like, I wish I could find a way to concisely say, like, what the audience does need to know, but, like... Where's the line? That feels like the bigger sin to me, and I don't know... I don't know how, you, how to t- tell you not to, to fuck it up, but, maybe, like... Maybe the, maybe the pithy thing is the audience... Don't Jupiter ascending it. Yeah. <laughs> or just, maybe the audience does not need to know every detail. No, that's easy, I think. I'm, th- I'm saying the opposite of that, of, like, remembering what... Like, trying to, like, make sure that the audience does know things that they should know. And oh. is it left with some glaring question of, like... Like, in Jupiter or something, there aren't just these glaring, like, what yeah, is the rule of this universe? Lists of questions when you're who, not watching this movie. Who governs this right. place? And so forth. Where it, it, like, feels like it matters, because... It does. A lot of it is about... Control right. of like the, the of universe. the entire universe. Like wow. it matters who is in. But I don't know who who right. is. Right, I, I see what you're saying because just now it was going into my head trying to like figure out like okay, well you just and I was like oh my god I'm already in the weeds. Yeah, well, it depends <laughs> on like what you're doing and everything, but like you have to. I don't know. It probably involves getting a third eye. Right, yeah, getting a lot of people to look like, at it and be like, "What? What are what your questions?" Be right, being open to feedback from yeah. other people. If someone, if like a bunch of people are telling you this doesn't make sense, maybe think about it. Right. Yeah, it might not make sense. Right. Like, things make less sense to other people. Right. Than and they so do many things make perfect sense to you because this world is in your head. Right. You don't need to like explain it because you know it. The fact of the matter is, I don't know it. <laughs> well, yeah. and I think it's also um, basically, I guess, if I had to step close to some kind of standard on it, my thought would be. Um, for what they need to know, anything that your plot directly addresses, like if, if, and for example, in Jupiter Ascending, it is directly confronting the, a, a power structure of some kind of magnitude. 
and the fact we don't really understand the shape of that or what it is or what it means in that world is a problem. I feel like because the plot directly addresses that, that's a detail they should have provided. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas they don't necessarily need the exposition on this side character, and they definitely don't need a digression about, like, the history of this other race or something. Yeah. But even then, there's still exceptions. Fuck. <laughs> well, okay. Exceptions I think the basic the point is, like, uh, don't don't introduce shit that you don't need. Don't explain shit that doesn't need to be explained. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, have someone just... Well, give a look in, over yeah, it. Yeah, look at it and, and listen to what questions people have, because... Yeah. You know, if it's on the minds of, like, four out of ten people that have read it, it's probably important enough to mm-hmm. consider answering. Yeah. Well, also, I, ultimately, you you want what you create to be accessible. I know. Essentially, if you're told by people, I can't access this, that should be a problem. <laughs> yeah. I think there's also something to be said about how and when you're doling out this information. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've read so much fantasy or sci-fi where within the first ten pages I've been inundated with names and like mm-hmm. backstories and characters to the point that I'm reading this I'm like I don't fucking remember who these people are how they're related to each other like what this you creature have, like, is flip back and right, what this had a thing is. or something yeah and it's just like my, like my god like have some nuance have some subtlety know that you don't need to unload everything upon the reader or viewer within mm-hmm. the first ten pages yep. ten minutes what have you realize that other things can be, come out later on in the game and it's not a bad thing that is actually one of my biggest turnoffs when it comes to sci-fi or fantasy when you get that exposition dump, I can't think of anything that will take me out of the story more than that. I feel like as difficult as it can be, you can introduce whatever you want to give exposition on organically through the story. Have them come up against whatever that thing is, and then you can introduce that in a way that makes sense to the reader. But if you're pausing the plot to be like, this is what this is, and this is how the magic works, I don't... No, just show me. What about the intro? Is Is this specifically intro exposition or at any point it could be anything okay. I was using intro as an example but it could be anything. yeah and I was gonna say like you did miss the beginning of Space Sweepers but there is a bit of that in Space Sweepers but like I don't know I don't think I hate it. I, I agree that it's clumsy but like uh, vis-a-vis like an intro to a movie like if there's like a Chiron or like like you know the Star Wars rolling things yeah. or like uh, somebody narrating for a minute and a half at the beginning being like <laughs> welcome to the dogs or right, yeah. I feel like I'm more okay with that. I think that, yeah, probably a lot of the time you don't have to, you don't need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's better ways to ease you into a world. Uh, but I feel like if you have to do that, I'm not going to shoot you for it. I mean, I'd rather you have like three paragraphs of text in the beginning than try and like awkwardly yes. dole it out That's over the like, first half hour, you know? So like, if you must do it, then you yeah. must do it. Isn't it? Isn't it? The, the, the think about it, right? The Just the audacity of George Lucas and the whatever these uh, the 70s to like to decide like my movie requires you to just like read just text. Reading. Right. To already <laughs> open it and be like, Princess Leia, you know her, right? Yeah. She's on the run and people are like, what? To start your story as an insane midpoint. <laughs> the, the, Go out to get fired. In an original world, and they'd be like, I'm sorry, you have to read these paragraphs. Right, exactly. <laughs> you can get into the story so that you understand what's happening. That is just a power move right there. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, like, because I'm trying to think of, like, all right, we compared the beginning of, like, Valerian, right? Yeah. And that did it good without any exposition. Without almost Great. any dialogue at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, Space Sweepers, I think, does have, like, a some guy being like, the Earth is now uninhabitable, we have to live in space because of this, and now we do space sweeping. I think... <laughs> but it doesn't take up that much time, and it's kind of fine. I do also think it's interesting how often that might happen, and it's not necessarily, especially in the case of movies, not necessarily up to the writer. Yeah. Um, I think particularly about uh, the movie Dark City. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Yeah. Well, I like it a lot, but it famously has opening narration from one of the actors that gives away a twist that's supposed to wait until the end of the movie. Yeah. And it literally just tells you, this is exactly what this world is. Whereas the point of the movie was for that to be like a mystery you unwrap and discover. Yeah, I've not seen Dark City, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it gets well, very silly I feel like that end. does tie in a little bit also to the idea that like you can probably convey some of these things with visuals yes. in the movie medium and not have to worry about explaining it, you know? like mm-hmm. Sometimes just the fact that you see it is like all it takes. I'm thinking of sort of like the beginning of Wally, mm-hmm. where like it's not like you like like Wally isn't talking to someone who's like, boy, I can't believe like the humans turned Earth into a shithole yeah. and then took to the stars, right? Like you get all that because like you see the spacecraft, you see the advertisements, and you see like Earth covered in garbage. It's like okay, perfect, I get it exactly. Very elegant world building, right? I don't need someone to sit here and like a voiceover and be like like years ago. <laughs> all right, well, I was going to say, but do we have any other movies we want to throw out there and discuss? Yeah, I really struggled, but I couldn't really think of... I mean... It's hard. Labyrinth it's and then rough. Crawl. 
Time Bandits was my other original sci-fi, but Time Bandits is again a very sort of like soft sci-fi, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, or fantasy rather, because um, the, the rules are fairly straightforward. I will say, I mean, beyond the intro, uh, Chris and I did watch Space. Most you watched most of Space Weepers, and that was a fun. It was a little wacky, but it was it mostly worked. Like mm-hmm. it had this like, uh, it, it felt pretty like most of it felt pretty real, not real plausible as like a concept of like um, we fucked up Earth and now we just kind of live in like you know, space habitats and like there's tons of junk in space and it's now people's job to have to like clean up the junk before it crashes into other junk. And they have to take the junk to a floating factory owned by this like evil corp. Yeah, there's like a corporation and that, you know, it's it's felt pretty like, um, you know, low, like not easy, but like, you know, predictable in terms of like, of course it's an evil corporation. And of course, like, we fucked up the Earth because we're bad with the environment. It had a lot of familiar pieces, but... It was fun. Yeah, it was fun, and I also felt that it did them all very well, and I thought the thing it did very smartly was it kind of limited its stakes and scope. Yeah. So we're not traveling across the galaxy fighting a, like, fighting a grand war against, like, an invading species. It's, yeah, it was just like... It's... Everything is happening either around or close to Earth, mm-hmm. and it's just this one factory that could fall out of the sky and like devastate a barely populated Earth anymore. But it's yeah. not. Oh no, there's a lot of people on Earth. Right. Yeah. Oh well, but I guess the idea I... was that like the one percent oh, live. No one left. <laughs> no, 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 no. The one percent live in space, and then like people live on Earth, but they have to live with like gas masks and like mm. underground and shit. Whereas like. People who live in space are... There are still, like, lower-class neighborhoods in space, but there that's the only place where there are, like, fancy space bubbles where you can have grass and shit. But I also think that movie did a good job of explaining some things and not others. Yeah. Oh, know? yeah, there were, there were times where I was like, I don't know if that's a robot or not, but it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> okay, some, some people seem, like, enhanced or, like, maybe maybe androids? Uh, maybe robots? They definitely were androids because they talk about that girl being an android. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody bats an eye at it. And right. it's like, you have, like, you had, like, uh, Robot Boy... Or a robot woman, really, who was, like, uh, just a normal-looking metal robot yeah. who, like, could, I guess, get skin transplants. Um, uh, but, yeah, it was it was well-done story overall. I think that was an example of a simple plot, but that had actors, characters, and uh, uh, direction choices that kept it very interesting and fresh. And yeah, fun. it had a fun... Uh, the, the aesthetics of it were very fun, too. Yes. It's kind of like... Uh, what was the easy comparison that we had? Guardians of the Galaxy? Because it's quite colorful. Yeah, it was Guardians or, of the Galaxy. Or Ragnarok as yeah, well. Yeah, but it was kind of like grungy. It was kind of like slightly dingy oh, yes. time, setting where you were. Um, but it was good. It did have good gross when inside that like yeah. that like falling apart rusty. Because everyone's yeah, all, like pretty much if you're not like at one of the like people that get still in the space bubbles, then you're you're everyone's using like scavenged shit and oh, to repurpose. This is the last bit, and I know this is so detaily, but you pointed this out. There's like a shot of all of these ships of these like scavengers going off to do something, and yeah. so many of them just look like tractor trailers or boxes. Yeah, or... they're again, they're all very boxy because they're all just like repurposed they're like truckers basically yeah and they have that that sort of fun Pacific Rim thing where there's like the Chinese space sweepers and the Russian space sweepers and the Americans and like the Arabs and they're all like they all have like sort of vaguely flavored looking spaceships and like everyone's speaking their own language but they're understanding each other I thought that was cool yeah I like that wasn't explained it doesn't matter really yeah every like yeah one guy speaks in uh like French to someone who's speaking Korean and everyone doesn't understand each other and nobody questions it. Anyhow. Uh come back to us in <laughs> two weeks. Yeah. You told them. <laughs> For Sinbad. our discussion of Sinbad and its star studded cast and with our wonderful drink. Shall we buy this out? <sighs> Bye! Bye.